0: Chapter Ten of the Castaways of the Flag. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Scott Meyer, The Right Voice for You.com. The Castaways of the Flag by Jules Verne. Chapter Ten The Flag on the Peak. All stood motionless, their hearts tense with excitement. Their eyes turned towards the northern horizon, listening intently, scarcely breathing. In the distance a few more shots rang out, the sound borne to them on the faint breath of the breeze. "'It's a ship, passing off the coast,' said Captain Gould at length. "'Yes, those reports can only come from a ship,' John Block replied. "'When night falls, perhaps we shall see her lights.' "'But couldn't those shots have been fired on land?' Jenny suggested on land jenny dear fritz exclaimed you mean there may be some land near this island i think it is more likely that there is some ship off there to the northward captain gould said again why should it have fired a gun james asked yes why jenny echoed him if the second surmise were the right one it followed that the ship could not be very far from the shore perhaps when it was quite dark they would be able to distinguish the flashes from the guns if they were fired again they might also see her lights before long but since the sound of the guns had come from the north it was quite possible that the ship would remain invisible since the sea in that direction could not be seen no longer did anyone think of going through the ravine back to turtle bay whatever the weather might be they would all remain where they were until day unfortunately in the event of a ship coming down on the west or east Lack of wood would prevent them from lighting a fire to signal it. Those distant reports had stirred their hearts to the very depths. They seemed united by them once more to their kind, felt as though this island were now not so utterly isolated. They would have liked to go at once to the far end of the plateau, and to watch the sea to the northward, whence the cannon shots had come. But the evening was getting on, and night would fall quite soon. A night without moon or stars, darkened by the low clouds that the breeze was chasing to the south. They could not venture among the rocks in the darkness. It would be difficult enough by day. It was impossible by night. So it became necessary to settle themselves for the night where they were, and everyone got busy. After a long search the boatswain discovered a kind of recess, a space between two rocks, where jenny susan dolly and the little boy could lie close to the ground as there was no sand or seaweed for them to lie on they could at least have shelter from the wind if it should freshen even shelter from the rain if the clouds broke the provisions were taken from the bags and all ate there was food for several days in any case and might not all fear of spending a winter in turtle bay soon be banished for ever night fell an endless night it seemed whose long, drawn hours no one could ever forget, except little Bob, who slept in his mother's arms. Utter darkness reigned. From the seacoast the lights of a ship would have been visible several miles out to sea. Captain Gould and most of the others insisted on remaining afoot until daybreak. Their eyes incessantly wandered over the east and west and south, in the hope of seeing a vessel passing off the land. And not without fears that she might leave it astern, never to return to it again. Had they been in Turtle Bay at this moment, they would have lighted a fire upon the end of the promontory. Here, that was impossible. No light shone out before the return of dawn. No report broke the silence of the night. No ship came in sight of the island. The men began to wonder whether they had not been mistaken, if they had not taken for the sound of a cannon what might only have been the roar of some distant storm no no fritz insisted we were not mistaken it really was a cannon fire out there in the north a good long way away i'm sure of it the boatswain replied but why should they be firing guns james Wollstone urged either in salute or in self-defense fritz answered perhaps some savages have landed on the island and made an attack frank suggested anyhow the boatswain answered It wasn't savages who fired those guns, so the island would be inhabited by Americans or Europeans, James inquired. Well, to begin with, is it only an island? Captain Gould replied, How do we know what is beyond the cliff? Are we perhaps upon some very large island? A very large island in this part of the Pacific? France rejoined. Which one? I don't see. In my opinion, John Block remarked, with much good sense, it is useless to argue about that the truth is we don't know whether our island is in the pacific or the indian ocean let us have a little patience until dawn which will break quite soon and then we will go and see what there is up there to the northward perhaps everything perhaps nothing said james well the boatswain retorted it will be something to know which about three o'clock the first glimmer of dawn began to show low on the horizon the east grew pale the weather was very calm for the wind had dropped towards morning the clouds which had been chased by the breeze were now replaced by a veil of mist through which the sun eventually broke the whole sky gradually cleared the streak of light drawn sharply across the east grew wider spread over the line of sky and sea the glorious sun appeared throwing long streamers of light over the surface of the waters eagerly all eyes traveled over so much of the ocean as was visible. But no vessel was to be seen. At this moment, Captain Gould was joined by Jenny, Dolly, and by Susan Woolston, who was holding her child's hand. The albatross fluttered to and fro, hopped from rock to rock, and sometimes went quite far off to the northward, as if it were pointing out the way. It looks as if he were showing us where to go, said Jenny. We must follow him, Dolly exclaimed not until we've had breakfast captain gould replied we may have several hours marching in front of us and we must keep our strength they shared the provisions hurriedly so impatient were they to be off and before seven o'clock they were moving towards the north it was most difficult walking among the rocks captain gould and the boatswain in advance pointed out the practicable paths then fritz came helping jenny frank helping dolly and james helping susan and little bob nowhere did the foot encounter grass or sand it was all a chaotic accumulation of stones what might have been a vast field of scattered rocks or moraines over it birds were flying frigate birds sea-mews and sea-swallows in whose flight the albatross sometimes joined they marched for an hour at the cost of immense fatigue and had accomplished little more than 2 miles steadily uphill there was no change in the appearance of the nature of the plateau it was absolutely necessary to call a halt in order to get a little rest fritz then suggested that he should go on ahead with captain gould and john block that would spare the others fresh fatigue the proposal was unanimously rejected they would not separate They all wanted to be there when, or if, the sea became visible to the northward. The march was resumed about nine o'clock. The mist tempered the heat of the sun. At this season it might have been insupportable on this stony waste, on which the rays fell almost vertically at noon. While still extending towards the north, the plateau was widening out to east and west, and the sea, which so far had been visible in both these directions, would soon be lost to sight. and still. There was not a tree, not a trace of vegetation, nothing but the same sterility and solitude. A few low hills rose here and there ahead. At eleven o'clock, a kind of cone showed its naked peak, towering some three hundred feet above this portion of the plateau. We must get to the top of that, said Jenny. Yes, Fritz replied. From there, we shall be able to see over a much wider horizon it may be a rough climb it probably would be but so irresistible was the general desire to ascertain the actual situation that no one would have consented to remain behind however great the fatigue might be yet who could tell whether those poor people were not marching to a last disappointment to the shattering of their last hope they resumed their journey towards the peak which now was about half a mile away every step was difficult and progress was painfully slow among the hundreds of rocks which must be scrambled over or gone around it was more like a chamois track than a footpath the boatswain insisted on carrying little bob and his mother gave the child to him fritz and jenny frank and dolly and james and susan kept near together that the men might help the women over the dangerous bits it was past two o'clock in the afternoon when the base of the cone was reached. They had taken three hours to cover less than a mile and three quarters since the last halt, but they were obliged to rest again. The stop was of short duration, and in twenty minutes the climbing began. It had occurred to Captain Gould to go around the peak, to avoid a tiring climb, but its base was seen to be impassable. And, after all, The height was not great. At the outset, the foot found hold upon a soil where scanty plants were growing, clumps of stone crops to which the fingers could cling. Half an hour sufficed to bring them halfway up the peak. Then Fritz, who was in front, let a cry of surprise escape him. All stopped looking at him. What was that up there? he said, pointing to the extreme top of the cone. A stick was standing upright there. A stick five or six feet long, fixed between the highest rocks. "'Can it be a branch of a tree, with all the leaves stripped off?' said Frank. "'No, that is not a branch,' Captain Gould declared. "'It is a stick—a walking stick,' Fritz declared. "'A stick which has been set up there.' "'And to which a flag has been fastened,' the boatswain added. "'And the flag is still there—a flag.' at the summit of this peak yes and the breeze was beginning to stir the flag although from this distance the colours could not be identified then there are inhabitants on this island frank exclaimed not a doubt of it jenny declared or if not fritz went on it is clear at any rate that someone has taken possession of it what island is this then james woolston demanded or rather what flag is this captain gould added an english flag the boatswain cried look red bunting with the yacht in the corner the wind had just spread out the flag and it certainly was a british flag how they sprang from rock to rock a hundred and fifty feet still separated them from the summit but they were no longer conscious of fatigue did not try to recover their wind but hurried up without stopping carried along by what seemed supernatural strength. At length, just before three o'clock, Captain Gould and his companion stood side by side on the top of the peak. Their disappointment was bitter when they turned their eyes towards the north. A thick mist hid the horizon. It was impossible to discover whether the plateau ended on this side in a perpendicular cliff, as it did at Turtle Bay or whether it spread much further beyond through this dense fog nothing could be seen above the layer of the vapor the sky was still bright with the rays of the sun now beginning to decline into the west well they would camp there and wait until the breeze had driven the fog away not one of them would go back without having examined the northern portion of the island for was there not a british flag there floating in the breeze Did it not say as plainly as words that this land was known? That it must figure in latitude and longitude on the English charts? And those guns that they had heard the day before? Who could say that they did not come from ships saluting the flag as they moved by? Who could say that there was not some harbor on this coast, that there were not ships at anchor there at this very moment? And even if this land were merely a small islet? would there be anything wonderful in great britain having taken possession of it when it lay on the confines of the indian and the pacific oceans alternatively why would it not belong to the australian continent so little of which was known in this direction which was part of the british domains as they talked a bird's-cry rang out followed by a rapid beating of wings it was jenny's albatross which had just taken flight and was speeding away through the mists toward the north. Whither was the bird going? Toward some distant shore? Its departure produced a feeling of depression, even of anxiety. It seemed like desertion. But time was passing. The intermittent breeze was not strong enough to disperse the fog, whose heavy scrolls were rolling at the base of the cone. Would the night fall before the northern horizon had been laid bare to view? but no all hope was not yet lost as the mists began to decrease fritz was able to make out that the cone dominated not a cliff but long slopes which probably extended as far as the level of the sea then the wind freshened the folds of the flag stiffened and nearly level with the mists everyone could see the declivity for a distance of a hundred yards It was no longer a mere accumulation of rocks, it was the other side of a mountain, where showed growths on which they had not set eyes for many a long month. How they feasted their sight on these wide stretches of verdure! On the shrubs, aloes, majestic trees, and myrtles, which were growing everywhere! No, they would not wait for the fog to disperse, and besides, it was imperative that they should reach the base of the mountain before night enveloped them in its shadows but now eight or nine hundred feet below through the rifts in the mist appeared the top of the foliage of a forest which extended for several miles then a vast and fertile plain strewn with clumps of trees and groves with broad meadows and a vast grasslands traversed by watercourses the largest of which ran eastward toward a bay in the coastline on the east and west the sea extended to the furthest limit of the horizon only on the north was it wanting to make of this land not an islet, but a large island finally very far away could be seen the faint outlines of a rocky rampart running from west to east was that the edge of a coast let us go let us go cried fritz yes let us go frank echoed him We shall be down before night. And we will pass the night in the shelter of the trees, Captain Gould added. The last mists cleared away, then the ocean was revealed over a distance which might be as much as eighteen or twenty miles. This was an island. It was certainly an island. They then saw that the northern coast was indented by three bays of unequal size, the largest of which lay to the northwest. Another to the north, while the smallest opened up to the northeast, and was more deeply cut into the coastline than the other two. The arm of the sea which gave access to it was bound by two distant capes, one of which had at its end a lofty promontory. No other land showed out to sea. Not a sail appeared on the horizon. Looking back towards the south, the eye was held by the top of the crest of the cliff which enclosed turtle bay five miles or so away what a contrast between the desert region which captain gould and his companions had just crossed and the land which now lay before their eyes here was a fertile and variegated champagne forests plains everywhere the luxuriant vegetation of the tropics but nowhere was there a hamlet or a village or a single habitation and then a cry a cry of sudden revelation which he could not have restrained broke from the breast of fritz while both his arms were stretched out toward the north new switzerland yes new switzerland frank cried in his turn new switzerland echoed jenny and dolly in tones broken by emotion and so in front of them beyond the forest and beyond those prairies the rocky barrier that they could see was the rampart through which the defile of cluse opened onto the green valley beyond lay the promised land with its woods and farms and jackal river there was falconhurst in the heart of its mangrove wood and beyond rock castle and the trees in its orchards that bay on the left was pearl bay and farther away like a small black speck was the burning rock crowned with the smoke from its crater there was nautilus bay with false hope point projecting from it and deliverance bay protected by shark's island and why should it not have been the guns from that battery whose report they had heard the day before for there was no ship to be seen either in the bay or out in the open sea joyful exceedingly with throbbing hearts and eyes wet with tears of gratitude All of them joined with Frank in the prayer which went up to God. End of chapter 10